Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Coaching Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking about all things EdTech coaching. In this episode, I'm talking to Debbie Tannenbaum. Debbie is a school based technology specialist in Fairfax, Virginia. She's also the author of Transform Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky. So, Debbie, um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are now? What what brought you to being a school-based technology specialist? So it's kind of been a longer journey than I expected it to be. Um, I went to school to be an elementary school French teacher originally. And in my first year of teaching, I discovered the magic of technology using Scholastic with my students back in 1997. And I decided to go and get my master's at John Hopkins and got my master's in technology. And since then, always been really involved in technology. Um, I've taught mostly fourth and fifth grade, but for a while I was what they considered a technology teacher, which meant I helped integrate, but it wasn't considered, it was more of like an extra position, like a classroom support position. And uh, when I decided to move down to Virginia, because I was living in Maryland at the time, I went in to be, I started out as a fifth grade teacher and the school-based technology specialist at my school was like, you should really apply to be a school-based technology specialist. And that was the year where I discovered Twitter and I became socially active and I became a connected educator. So it was, that was 2017. That was a huge year of growth for me. And I applied to be a school-based technology specialist, um, got into the pool, and um, I just finished my third year in that position. So it's kind of been one of those journeys that it wasn't something I originally considered because when I were originally worked, they didn't have those positions in Maryland. Um, But I really love what I do. It's funny. A lot of people that I talk to say they didn't consider this role until it just kind of happened for them or it, um, or they were using technology effectively in the classroom. And then someone came to them and said, Hey, have you thought about doing this or whatever? It's not. And I wonder if that's because the role is still so new. Well, I also think that at least in my district, the role is still considered an operational employee, which is kind of weird because it's a very instructional position. So I think that there's just a lot of misunderstandings about what the role is and what it should be. Um, I know some places, you know, people in my role are called instructionally te- instructional technology coordinators. Sometimes they're called ed tech coaches. Everybody has a different name for it. And sometimes I think that the variety of names leads to confusion. And honestly, I didn't really understand what it was. But as I got pr- started to prepare for the role, I was like, wow, I've been doing a lot of this for a long time. So I was, I actually knew more about the role than I expected to, because it was really just the successful technology integration I had been doing. It just took all of my, the things that I was really great at as a classroom teacher and gave me a place to showcase them and help other teachers to showcase them. So tell us about your book. What is, just describe about your book, because you just, you just released a book, correct? Yeah, a little over a month ago. Okay. Okay. So my book is called Transform, Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky, and it's kind of my journey. Um, Transform is an acronym where each letter stands for one chapter in the book. It's a nine-chapter book. And so it talks about how at the beginning of the book, how I had to turn away from closed doors. When I first started teaching, teachers didn't collaborate. That was not the norm. 
and how I kind of found my way through that and found technology and it's kind of my origin story, I guess. And then it continues in chapter two talking about how we need to revisit how technology is used in education. We went through this year, past year, where people weren't really sure how it was supposed to be used. And I talk about my transform tech tools that really give kids opportunities that we can use. Well, there's so many tech tools. We can't use them all. We have to have a core group of tools. And so I talk about that. And then it talks about how we can really get that amplified creativity and learning using technology. That's the first section. And then the second section, it talks about how we can empower and nurture student agency. I'm a huge proponent of using icon literacy. I really want my students to understand how to use the icons to really, you know, give them that agency. And so it talks about that and also how to empower student voice. We are in a society now where what we were, what we did in school is no longer going to be what our students need in the future. And then the book kind of takes a, a little bit of a turn and it really talks about empowering teachers about seeking connections beyond your school, about finding your PLN. And it does all of those things as it's telling my story as well. And then the last part of the book talks about how I decided to start offering my voice and sharing my story and how I started to reach beyond my expectations. And it talks about some of those lessons from COVID where there were many lessons that we learned that are really important lessons that we need to keep with us. It's not, it, it's not okay to just say, oh, well, COVID's over now. We're going to go back. We can't ever go back. We really have to blend what was working before and what we've learned and find that perfect combination. And so that's kind of how the book goes through and lots of, you know, stories in it and, but also lots of tips that Tim shows teachers small strategic ways that they can add technology into instruction without making it overwhelming. So your book is focused more towards teachers than it is for like ed tech coaches. It can be, I think either could use it. I, I think that it really talks about, because if you're coming from a teacher lens, you're going to get something different out of the book than you might get out of it if you come from an ed tech coach lens. Um, and I know I've talked to many administrators who said that it was really helpful for them as well because it made them re-examine some of the ways that they were modeling things in that double track agenda and made them think, oh, well, I could have done it this way. And so I've, a lot of the feedback I've gotten is, oh, I wish I had known this when I was a teacher, which is really nice. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that, and I don't know if you've, when you've said you've spoken to administrators and things, I don't know if you've run into this, but teaching now and teaching, you know, 10 years ago or even five years ago or even two years ago yeah. <laughs> are very, very different. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's great that you've got something that, that, that speaks to that group and allows them to kind of look at it and say, oh, you know, I haven't been in the classroom for a while, but here's some, here's some ideas that I can share as well. So um, I'd like to turn back and look a little bit closer into that student agency piece. Sure. How do you, um, as, and uh, I apologize, I'm, I'm going to call you an ed tech coach because that's, that's okay. kind of the general term that that's ISTE what I call uses. Myself, so. So. <laughs> um, so as an ed tech coach, how do you work with teachers to get them to understand how to incorporate student agency? Well, I think it's a process. I think just like a teacher with students, it's a lot based on relationships. And that's one of the things that I've really, especially in the last couple of years, um, you know, we went through a really tough time and teachers and that relationship building and, you know, 
working on those relationships has been really key. And I think a lot of it is when we want to really promote that student agency, teachers are a lot of times fearful of their students not meeting the target of not giving their students enough. And sometimes it's really having a second person in the room and giving them that it's okay. Your students are going to get it modeling ways to promote student agency. That's been a really key thing because so many teachers are, you know, they grew up, they started teaching in an environment that was, you know, the sage on the stage. And so it's really hard a lot of times for them to give that up. And it's not that they're like, they want all the control, but that's all they know. And so sometimes my favorite way to do this is to go in and co-teach with teachers where we plan the lesson and we talk about that in a, how can we really integrate that technology in a meaningful way? And we do it together. That way the teachers aren't feeling like, you know, if something goes wrong, that they, there's no one there. You know, it's that safety net, but also that support person. And then the kids know that they're getting, you know, you have that extra person in the room, I think really makes a huge difference. And I think also just knowing that we're never adding technology or promoting agency just for its own sake, but really because we're trying to give our kids those, you know, important whether you call them 21st century skills, someone I, um, I just talked to calls them human skills, Hans Apple, I like that term a lot better. We want to give them those human skills. And so we have to do all of these things in order to make sure that they reach that final goal. Um, so you said that you often co-teach with teachers to, to promote student agency or trying to get them. Could you give us an example or two of that? Um, like what, what's your favorite um, co-teaching experience you've had? And you don't have to mention any names or anything like that. If... That's fine. Um, I think one of my favorites that really gets the kids involved is whenever I bring in Smithsonian Learning Lab. Um, I really love using thinking routines as well because I really feel like they help students articulate their thoughts and really, you know, share their thinking. And so one of the things I love to do is if we're studying something, you know, whether it's Egypt or Greece or whatever it is, looking at a collection of artifacts, taking a museum to them letting them discover and you know zoom in zoom out look at different angles and then really letting them take that time sometimes using something like a see think wonder to really explore and share their thoughts and there are no right answers there's only the answers that they give and so i think that's really important it's not about right or wrong it's about this is what you see now what do you think is this story let's make some inferences it's building those skills that they're gonna need for later. Now, what are you wondering? It gives them that idea that their thoughts matter and what they're saying matters. And so that's that's that be those beginning parts of really building that agency because suddenly you're giving them an experience that's gonna help be transformative. And so I think that's just so important as we work with our kids. So that's one of my favorites is to do that with kids. And then have the teacher watch and be like, wait, you took a collection, you edited it, and now it's become, and now my students are able to visit a museum from sitting in my classroom. And now look what they're able to do. Look how deep their thoughts have been. It's that's one of my favorites. And so I want to go back. You also talked about in the beginning when you were a teacher, um, how you turned from closed doors. Yeah. Can you can you describe that a little bit and then how you would facilitate that for teachers within your school as an ed tech coach? Well, I think when I first started teaching, it, collaborations and PLCs and CLTs were not a thing. And so that's a big part of that puzzle. 
But I even now I do see when I work with teachers, there are some teachers who like to do their thing because that's what they've always done. And it's a really hard, and it's really hard to, you know, get those teachers to feel like, feel comfortable. And, you know, I can think of a couple teachers that I've worked with over the past couple of years. And it's really become that, that biggest thing I've noticed is that relationship. It's proving that there's some value in what we're trying. Um, and that it doesn't have that, that the way they've done it is not the only way, but I'm going to show them a way and help them learn a way that's going to help them do what they want, which is to help their students learn. It's really about the impact. And so, yes, you did it this way and it worked for you, but if we do it this way, what will happen? And a lot of times teachers who've always done it one way, they're afraid to try it another way. And so it's like I said, it's that relationship piece over and over again. And I felt like, especially during COVID, I ended up helping teachers with things that they, they, they didn't have any choice. They had to ask for help. This was new for everyone. And so that filled a lot of relationships that might not have been there before and knowing that I was having office hours and I was available for them to ask questions. All of those things are super important. How do you walk teachers? And I'm thinking about when we return um, now that I think most schools are back face to face. If they weren't already back, they probably will be by fall. Um, When teachers are coming back and they're actually allowed to have kids near each other. (laughs) Again, I know that was the biggest problem was, you know, the kids came back, but then they were still, I know in North Carolina, we had a lot of rules. Kids were still supposed to be uh, socially distanced and they were still supposed to not have their seats so close to each other. So that's a different learning experience. But as we get back into routines that allow us to put children back together into collaborative groups and allow them to do all this other stuff, um, how would you, or how do you plan to um, do that R that you said, revisit how to how tech is used in education? Because they've got this whole new skill set. Absolutely. I think that it's really important to look at what is the purpose of the technology. And it was interesting because when we came back in the building, we had been using some like a tool like Pear Deck in virtual learning very effectively. But I saw teachers start to make, you know, take papers and make Pear Deck substitutes. And I spent some time with them and I was like, the purpose of Pear Deck, a tool like Pear Deck, is so that you can hear from every student, give them feedback, and you've increased that interaction. You can't do that, can't be simulated by paper. And I think that that's a really important thing. When we're using that technology, we're giving kids opportunities that they can't have without the technology. So things like Pear Deck, where you can have everybody interacting, something like putting a video that you're instruction you're going to give to everybody on a video using Edpuzzle, allowing them to give you formative data, but leveraging that technology so that you can do the work of the important teacher work, giving the kids that small group instruction or one-on-one instruction where you're really in the weeds and you're working with them, you're clearing up misunderstandings, you're providing rigor. That's the important stuff, you know, to me, if you're going to do an assignment on the computer that you did on paper and the only difference is they're typing, then it's not really giving them anything. You really have to be purposeful about what you're doing. And so sometimes somebody will be like, well, I want to use this program. Well, why do you want to use this program? What's it going to give your students that they wouldn't have without it is a super, is super important. I'll have people come up to me like, I want to use Flipgrid. 
And that's a great tool, but why? You know, it all comes back to the purpose, the why. And so I think it's going to be really important in the fall to spend time with those conversations. We're also going to a new LMS in the fall. So to add to the fun, we're going to be adding in Schoology. Well, then the teachers are like, well, when am I supposed to use this or that? It's all about thinking about what you need. And, you know, and so that's one of the reasons I like going in with the teachers, because I can say, what are we, what are we, what are you teaching? What's your learning target? We're always beginning with the pedagogy. And then I can say, we can talk about, well, what's something that you've had struggled with with this in the past or hasn't gotten exactly where you need. And just sometimes revisiting that, looking at the idea of that flipped instruction model. What can we give kids asynchronously? Kids are familiar with asynchronous now. What can we give kids asynchronously so our synchronous instruction is, you know, really focused on human connection and learning? So it sounds like you're at one school, right? Yes. So you're not, you're not moving around and you're not. No. So, so you're your primary focus is to be in classrooms, working with teachers, planning, all of that. You don't have like a regular schedule with students. I'm sorry. You, you, you I lost your sound. Oh, no. Can you hear me now? Yeah. I heard okay. your primary focus is and then I didn't hear the rest. Um, your primary focus is to be with teachers in the classroom. You don't have like a class that you teach or anything. I, your schedule is fully flexible. No. No. Okay. So can you talk so, to us a little bit about that? Sure. And the, the co-teaching part to me is the part that I, I would say is that I feel like is the most impactful part of my job, but obviously that part ebbs and flows depending on the other things. Um, the school that I'm currently at, um, which is an elementary school, I'm on the master schedule about 10 hours out of the 40. So I do work with teach. I do work with students doing a technology like class. Um, this past year it ended up being a STEAM class. Um, so it kind of that has you know changed in elementary. There um, we're allowed to have up to ten hours to so be part of that. And then also, you know, I am there to provide some tech support. We're going one to one. So there are definitely other parts of my job. My dream job would allow me to do what you were just talking about. Um, but we're not there yet. Um, you know, every, the way we work it is that, you know, every ed tech coach, you know, works in a school and that it's up to principal discretion as far as how they're, you know, used based on the school's needs. So, so what are the struggles with, and if I did the math correctly, that means you're 25% fixed. So you're fixed for 25% of your time. And then the other 75% of the time you're flexible to co-teach, co-plan, model, do professional development, things like that? Yeah. I mean, and I also really value being part of the PLC process. So I try to at least once a week get it into the CLTs to work there as well. So before COVID, that ended up looking like me going into classrooms every other week and setting up a set time, which isn't ideal. I like to, because I would much rather have it be more fluid, but that's what we ended up having to do because of those time constraints. So twice a month, I would get into a classroom, we would, you know, we would either meet or we figure it out through email, do those lessons. And then the next time we came, we could either build on those lessons, or we could do something different. It just depended on what that instructional need was. Um, but I do know there are other schools where that person is given more flexibility, it just depends on the school. I'm in a huge district. Okay. Um, yeah, Fairfax is pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, we have like <laughs> 189,000 kids. So that's that's a huge district. 
So, and I mean, my school has about a thousand and it's an elementary school. So. Yeah. Um, so I guess the next, so hold on. Sorry. I lost my train of thought. Okay. So with that schedule, that 25% fix, that 75% flex, what do you feel like you're missing not being fully flexible? Or do you think you're missing anything? Well, it's interesting that you're asking that question because last summer we did this amazing summer learning opportunity where we invited all staff to come in and you, based on staff data, we did these learning opportunities. And I, I, when I was sharing about this opportunity, I looked at the data and my grade four, five, and six teachers were about a sixth of the circle when I looked at the pie chart. But a good almost 30% were my K1 and two and three teachers who were part of the master schedule with me. I think it's wonderful that we teach kids how to use these things and use technology. But when I looked at that data from last summer, those teachers were hungry to learn and they wanted to help their students. And there were things they didn't know because they didn't get that exposure with the co-teaching. And it's one of the reasons that I'm very, you know, and I understand that, you know, we have to balance these things, but I feel like teachers do not have time to go to a PD before school or after school. They're so busy. Teachers, I mean, I've been there. I was a teacher for what, 17 years. I've been there, done that. Teachers need to have that embedded PD. And I believe that so firmly, you know, that PD is not about a one session and done. It's about an ongoing relationship where we're constantly practicing things. And so it's definitely been something that I, you know, that I've been advocating for because I really believe I've seen in my kindergarten and my first grade teachers this year, they did such amazing things. I mean, they were coming up with uses for Paradox and Google Slides and they were making me so proud. Not that every, everybody made me proud, but like they were doing amazing things, but they were doing those amazing things because they had access to me in a different way. And so they were able to come to those summer learning opportunities. My IAAs who never had gotten PD before were able to learn, our instructional assistants were able to learn and became our biggest assets. So really, you know, opening things up. And if you're also going into the classroom, then those instructional assistants are getting PD at the same time as the teachers are and at the same time that students are learning essential skills for their future. So to me, it, I feel like it's just, it's so important. And there are, of course, some teachers who are gonna be like, well, I don't have time for something extra. And it's just me. Let's that relationship building. It's not something extra. I'm gonna, I'm sure, I'm gonna help you do something. And maybe the next time I come, you won't be helping me, but I'll be in there in the background, and we can keep that practicing up and cycle that till the point where you feel like you can do it independently. And then you send me an email going, "Guess what I did today?" And then I get to brag on you because you're awesome. You know. I love that you seem to be opening some doors for collaboration. That's really my goal because I just feel like it's so important. I, I, I've done trainings before school and you might get one or two teachers. I've done trainings after school. That's even less people. We've tried virtual trainings. We've done in-person trainings. It's hard. And the, like I said, we had success in the summertime, but that was two weeks out of 52. So, you know, it's just so important that we get in there and we get to do those things and I really hope that, you know, that model can continue because there's a lot of teachers who don't really understand what blended learning is. And I think that that's something that is just going to have to be a really important, you know, understanding that blended learning, we're going to be one-to-one. Blended learning doesn't mean you use 
computers for everything. And I think that parents and, and teachers have a lot of misunderstandings about that. And, you know, we used computers for everything last year. We're not going to do that this year. We're going to be have to use them intentionally. So I guess my, my, my last question for you is, do you, what do you have to share with ed tech coaches who may be new to the game um, and how do they get buy-in from their teachers to let them come into the classroom and let them um, work with them one-on-one in a way like you've been describing here? I think it's just a lot of small things. When I first started working as an ed tech coach, anytime somebody would ask me to fix things, I would kind of, you know, bristle at it a little bit. But that's part of that relationship building. That doesn't mean that that's all I do. But sometimes when someone comes to you and they're like, I can't get the printer to print, or I can't get this to work or that to work, it's worth those couple of minutes. It's also worth those couple of minutes to, you know, pop in and, you know, and during their, their CLTs as they're planning, you know, take, listen and take some notes and then afterwards maybe go to the team lead and go, have you considered maybe trying this? It's those, it's a lot of listening so that you know how you can provide value. And I felt like when I first became an ed tech coach, I wanted to talk a lot because I wanted to show everything I knew, but it's also really important to listen. And when someone comes to you and they want to try something, really making sure they understand why they're using it. We're not, you know, we're not using tools for the sake of using tools, but that tool has to have a purpose. And I think that, you know, we get all excited about these new products and these shiny bells and whistles. And sometimes even we can lose sight of it. I mean, you know, last week was Flipgrid Live. I'm like, oh my God, look at all the cool stuff we can do with Flipgrid. Well, in, essentially, with regardless of those bells and whistles, Flipgrid is still allowing our students to communicate in a way they couldn't communicate without that technology. And we have to keep sight of the fact that it wants, you, it wants to have students share their voice, and now it's giving them more ways than ever. And so that's really important. And really, you know, so when I share things, when I share what, you know, ideas and things, it's always based on this is what it can help your students do. Um, this is, it can help your students do this or that. It's not about teaching it for any other reason. And so sometimes someone will be like, I really want to try this. Well, if there's no reason for it, then I'm not going to promote that right away. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on. I, I thank you. And um, where can we find your book? Sure. So my book is on Amazon, um, Transform Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky. Um, in addition, it's also on my website, Tannenbaum Tech. So you can find it both of those places. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. To check out Debbie's website or to find a link to purchase her book, you can go to our show notes. Also, if you're interested in coming on the show, head on over to edtechcoachingprimer.com, click on the podcast link, and fill out the interest form.